Ready? Let's go. Give me a vacation. Vacation. Give me a golf course. 70 courses. Let's get a water sport. Can I get excursions? We're watching. Time for chill vibes. Beach yoga. How about a garden tour? Give me a dolphin. What's that spell? San Diego. If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your trip at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, We guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. I always wanted to be life fit, not ego fit. There's a big difference, right? Everything I did in life, knowing all these great surgeons of the world and smart people who understand the body and nutrition, I could go anywhere in the world and just do a massive hike because my body was ready for it. Life instead fitness. of It's life fit. My name is Jeffrey Zakarian, and you're listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian from iHeartRadio. In four courses, I'll be taking you along for the ride while I talk with the top talent of our time. In each conversation, I focus on four different areas from my guest's life and career. And during those four courses, I'm going to dig deep and uncover new insights and inspirations that we can all use to fuel ourselves to push forward. My guest for this episode has a wine company that produces varietals from three different continents. He is close friends with several U.S. presidents from both sides of the aisle, and he was ranked the number one golfer in the world for an astonishing 331 weeks. Without further delay, please enjoy this inspiring conversation with my good friend, Greg Norman. Mr. Norman, how are you? I'm very well. Very well. You, buddy? I'm good. Thank you for... uh taking time to do this. Loving I promise it. it will be extremely... I think I'm loving it. I just know <laughs> you haven't heard sure my question, we're going down. For our first course with Greg, he told me stories from his picturesque childhood on the coast of Australia and how he rapidly developed from a bored high school student to a serious golfer in an extremely short amount of time. So I was going to start at the beginning. You came from Townsville yes. in Australia. Mm-hmm. A small town. A small town. Yeah. So what was... Give me a snapshot of you wake up in Townsville. What, what would you see? And what, what, when you, your brain was going off back then, say you were 12 years old, 
What were well, you thinking of? What would you see in the morning? What would make you feel, I can do this or I can't do this? Well, I was always an outdoor guy, right? My mom and dad had a place on the, on the water, so we were just off the Great Barrier Reef. We had a really cool little beach shack on Magnetic Island, and that's where I grew up, just skin diving, scuba diving. From what age? Oh, from knee-high to a grasshopper. Really? Yeah. As soon, as soon as I could learn to swim, I had a mask on. As soon as I could put a snorkel in my mouth, I was off, right? Wow. So I'd go off and spearfish and catch spear the dinner for that night and come back to our little beach shack and just cool. And that was my really early upbringing. I would spend four to five weeks on a boat on the Great Barrier Reef with my friends and we'd just go off and we'd just fish and scuba dive and snorkel and all that stuff. So my whole upbringing was about my connection with nature and my connection with myself and understanding myself and what really drove me. I didn't, I wasn't really aware of it at the time. Mm. When I look back on it, it was really the foundation of who I am today. And the Great Barrier Reef, can you give me a snapshot of what it was? Imagine as a child having all that wildlife like on your back door. It's really hard to describe. That's where I learned to night dive under a full moon without torches or flashlights because it's just gin clear water, the colors of the reef, the colors of the fish, just so many different species of coral and soft coral, hard corals. It was just, you know, You took it for granted because you saw it so many times. And when people go there and they see photographs of the GBR today, they go, wow, the colors are so electric blue or electric green. So it's just one of the seven wonders of the world. And I was lucky, quite honestly, to be growing up on the ocean in Townsville. I used to ride my bike to school about three or four miles every day. And every soon as I came home, I got my dog and ran down to the beach if it was low tide and I'd skimboard for a couple of hours. So, you know, your fitness was always there. And I would say nothing much has changed. No, I mean, no. you could describe your day right now. <laughs> That's true. It sounds like a fantastic upbringing. I mean, it doesn't sound like you've gotten to any... The trouble you might have gotten into might have been a little mischievous danger yeah, toward yeah. yourself. Like you, the trouble don't. I got into was <clears throat> taking my slingshot and killing little sparrows. <laughs> you know, Which, but but we were getting paid. We were getting paid like a penny for a pair of because they were, they were in uh, prolific proportion. So I was raising a little bit of money for myself, right? So you would get they would pay you. Yeah, you would pay them. Yeah. So you would shoot a sparrow with a a slingshot. A, and, Boy, um, been a good and shot. I used to, where I got into trouble is I used to go to the cemetery and I take the marbles off the, off the graves because <laughs> <laughs> the marbles the marble was really good for the slingshot. It was it actually oh. flew pretty true. So wow. that's and where it, I got into trouble. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. That was your dad a golfer? My mom was a really good golfer. Mom? My mom was a three handicap in wow. those days. Yeah. And so my mom was going out to play one day and I said, heck, I'm bored. I'm going to go caddy for you. And she, she went in to have a cup of tea at the end of the day. And the last four holes at Virginia Golf Club were back, out, back and out again or the other way around. And uh, so I just took her golf clubs while she's having a cup of tea with her friends and, and boom. I figured if my mom, who's like five foot three, a hundred pound ringing wet, if she can play off a three handicap, I must be able to play this game, right? I started, I got a 27 handicap. I started with junior clinics. I never had any lessons. I got down from a 27 to a scratch in 18 months. And what? I won my first- So there's hope for me yet. Hey, there, there it is. <laughs> 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 so this time next year, in the winter, I, I should be a scratch golfer. Should be golfer. a scratch golfer, yeah. So 18 months, 18 months. 27 handicapper yeah. to scratch. And then I won my first professional golf tournament in less than five years. So tell me how that works. So you don't take lessons. 
were you just good at mimicking the swing? Like you must have followed someone. Who did you read? Did you read Nicholas? I, I read, did you read, I read, read Jack Nicholas's books. Yeah. Golf My Way and Fifty Five Ways to Play the Game. It was all and, Nicholas. And I used to, instead of doing homework, I used to have his, his book, Golf My Way, or 55 Ways to Play the Game, under my physics or chemistry <laughs> book, right? <laughs> so I'd be looking at the pictures and going, okay, I've got to try this this afternoon. And I would leave school and go straight out to the golf course and just the Virginia amazing. Golf Club, and I would just pound balls, pound balls, pound balls. And in I'd have sun. this picture in my mind, okay, Jack was in this position yes. at impact, yep. or Jack was this at the top. But I think that like every sport you did helped you for golf. I I mean, fishing, mm-hmm. vision, clarity, hand-eye coordination. So it seems to me like this listening to the story is fascinating because it all sort of ties in. Because also, your dad, I didn't know he was in mining. So there's a you have a geology, you love geology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have this love of, of stuff yeah. from the ground. And I didn't know about your dad. Did he like press you on this? My dad never thought I'd be the golfer I became. He wanted me to be either in his engineering business or be a scholar or go on and do something else in the business world. He never anticipated. And we had a little bit of angst about Mm -hmm. it all when I told him, hey, I'm going to turn professional and I'm going to be an assistant pro and three years time I'm going to go play the tour. And he's looking at me like, are you crazy? You're not good enough to do that. And nobody in our family's ever been a professional sportsman or woman. Where are you getting all this from? So we, you know, I was very determined because I could feel something within myself because going from 27 to scratch and winning in less than five years was, you know, gave me a huge boost of confidence that everything I was doing was right. And I was all self-motivated. I kept pushing myself. Each day was a new challenge for me. I've got, I kept copious notes and just saying, okay, yesterday with my seven iron, I was doing this and why did I do this? And I hit this percentage of shots to the right and this percentage of shots to the left. And my, so I always was focused on my dispersion pattern and I was um, always focused on hitting the ball the right length. I was never Mm. all about power unless I got to my driver. It was always about from my six iron down to my sandwich, it's always the right length, the right length. So I would always focus on my dispersion pattern all the time. So the tighter I got that over a period of time, the better you got because now all of a sudden you're making more putts and the more putts you make, the lower sure. score you get. So at the end of the day, I was it was my uh, recipe of how to scale up the ladder. And I never, I never had a top to the ladder, even when I reached number one in the world, because I, I kept saying to myself, if, if you get to number one, if you get to the top of your ladder, there's only one way to go, and that's down. Yeah. And I never wanted to go down. So I just kept going up and up. And, you know, as you get to the top of the echelon of anything, as you know, it's hard to get that much better. And sometimes you tinker when you shouldn't be tinkering, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're chasing perfection. And golf is a game that you really can't, chase to perfection. It really is interesting. I, I hear this from so many people about performance. You really have set goals against yourself. In other words, you're comparing yourself every day to yourself, what you did mm-hmm. the day before, which is a very good way to look at it because it gives you proportion and it, it's sustainable. You can't sustain if you're saying, well, I want to be that guy over there. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do it today. Why? I suck. No, it's not that at all. It's a completely different. You look inward and just set goals that you can attain and manage those goals to keep yourself like it's probably why longevity is something that you really you're really good at. Well, you you also can take that same mindset and approach and put it in any other aspect of life. You know, whether it's your relaxation, whether it's 
business, whether it's in the gym, whether it's doing something. Because if you're always, every day you're striving to be a little bit better than the day before, it actually is a pretty good place to be. And a lot of people say to me, well, how do you sustain it? I said, well, it's it's in my system, right? I, I, I can't change it since I was a little kid, right? Dropping in to shoot a snapper or a grouper when I'm eight or nine years old with a spear gun on my own with all I got is tethered to a surfboard. And if you screw up or you black out, you're done, right? Mm -hmm. So you push yourself to the limit, push yourself to the limit. Okay, I've got to back off and there's going to be another fish. Yeah. Or do I keep pushing myself and you put yourself in a, in a detrimental situation? So, you know, every everything you look at, there's, there's an edge to how far you can push yourself. For our second course, I really wanted to speak with Greg about fitness. When he began golfing in the 70s, it was still a sport that was played by guys who could resemble an accountant rather than a professional athlete. But he was one of the first golfers to turn that around thanks to some serious physical discomfort he was having. It was in the early 90s, and I was coming off the golf course with really wicked headaches all the time. Really? Really bad headaches. And I'll never forget, and I was thinking, God, when I look back on it, the only time I would find water on the golf course was when you go to a fountain that was there for the members. And we never had water on the teas that day. You might have a Pepsi or a Coke or a Schweppes or something. It's all the sugar. All all the sugar, right? And I figured, oh, my God, that's what it is. So I started drinking a lot of water on the golf course, and my, my body started to feel better, especially in the hot, humid conditions up in the Midwest. And then I decided to, I asked myself a question that I could never answer. And that was, what muscle fires first on the downswing of a, of a golf swing? And think about that. Is it the shoulders? Is it your triceps? Is it your chest? Is it your arms? Is it your abs? Is it your legs? Is it hamstrings, quads? What is it? I didn't know. So I went up to UPMC, University of Pittsburgh Medical Center, and I was a guy there called um, Scott Lephart. And we put all these probes on me, and we did this big study. This is in the 90s. This is in the early 90s. So we discovered it was the lower abs, two inches below your navel. The inner muscles in there, there's like four or five or six different layers of muscles in there. And that's what holds your core together as you turn. Not your big abs no. and your big chest and your big muscles, these little muscles in there. When you're ready to fire, there's a, there's a trigger mechanism. They go, bing, 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 boom, and then everything goes. Interesting. So I used to practice putting on really windy days with the wind blowing against my back. And I used to focus on tightening my lower muscles two inches below my navel, keeping that firm and the rest of my body loose. So that's uh, that's how I started getting into fitness. And then I got a trainer and there was, his name was Pete Rayovich. Did he travel with you? He traveled with me for 10, 11 years. And we started working on these golf programs. So you started this in the 90s. Mm-hmm. When did weights come? When did you do weights or was yeah, it just yeah, stretching? No, we, did, we did everything. We did uh, free weights. We did banding. We did uh, BOSU ball. We did a lot of boxing. Who uh, else was doing this other than you? Me. No one. Me. I actually went to the PGA Tour. I was the one who got them to start the fitness trailer on the PGA Tour. Really? Yeah, because I thought about all these other sports, right? When when team sports or professional levels, tennis, anything, right? You're in the gym. As soon as you get, when your day is done, you go and you cool down. You cool down with a workout. You cool down with a massage. You cool down with a stretch. You can do this. And I'm going, 
you know, why? We just walk down with a cigarette course. and a, a vodka. Yeah. And you, you go into bed and <laughs> exactly. you wake up and you go, oh, you eat, God, you feel, I'm, yeah, you feel terrible. I'm stiff. Yeah. And so we started, Pete and I started this program that was, it was on a Monday. It was very, very heavy, hard workout, heavy weights, banding, tubing, flexibility. And then Tuesday, we'd slowly scale it off until yeah. we got to Friday going into Saturday. There was this all speed stuff. And so every day, every week on the tour, we, we would modify it. And then it would depend on the golf course. Like if we were playing at Castle Pines in Denver, Colorado, mm-hmm. way right? Up, way up high. Altitude, very, very hilly golf course, shin splints. So, and your legs and your, and your lower hands and, all the, like. and your glutes and stuff, you had to work on those. Put that workout regimen in the 90s next to your performance and in, in how, many, how many times you won in that period of time. It sounds like there was a direct relationship. Oh, for sure it was, yeah. Uh, the, I don't know the number. That's a great question. I've never even thought about it that way. But I think about it the other way. I think about it if I had started in the 80s, yeah. how much I would have been 10 years ahead of anything else I'd ever done. I use this terminology a lot. I always wanted to be life fit, mm-hmm. not ego fit. There's a big difference, right? Yep. And everything I did in life, in, in working out with Pete and knowing all these great surgeons of the world and, and smart people who understand the body and nutrition, I could go anywhere in the world. I could go down to Chile and hike up to 20,000 feet without a problem. I could go anywhere in the world and just do a massive hike because I was, my body was ready for it. Life instead fitness. of It's life fit. And, and that's why I am today. It's no You're different. You're the same. I am exactly the same. We're going to talk about food and nutrition in a moment, but I want to go and just talk about the changes of the tour. What are the pressures now that a golfer faces that you might have not faced? The difference in our generation was... When I first started playing, you had to perform each week to get money. You'd make the cut in my days and you could play four days and not earn a penny because the prize money wouldn't go down to the bottom end of the cut level, right? So if you didn't perform, you couldn't cover your expenses. But at the end of the day, we had to perform on a weekly basis. And you you know, ate it's what all you relative. Killed, right? You ate what you killed, you had to. You ate to. what you killed, yeah. So but it, it instilled a certain amount of respect and value in everything you did. We didn't take things for granted, right? We had to save all our practice, all the balls we used on the golf course, we had to save them in a shag bag because there was no range balls. <laughs> Right, so you have to save everything up. You're you're actually managing your life through whatever whatever you had, and that goes down to food too, mm-hmm. right? I mean, we some there were sometimes we couldn't even go in the clubhouse because golfers were frowned. This is in Europe because it was frowned upon, so you couldn't go in there and get food. So you go to a golf course, and what you're out there for six, eight, nine hours, right? So you'd have to figure out, okay, what do we eat? Sometimes you didn't eat for hours on end, right? So now you're talking about food and nutrition, about what we learned over a period of time, about what works best for you. And, you know, I had a lot of IBS, you know, irritable bowel syndrome, and I couldn't figure out what it was. And it was just the food I was putting in my body, right? And, you know, you get so much cramping in the stomach, you just, oh, my God, I don't think I can go on anymore. So... That was all part of what I said about soda waters. And I started drinking a lot of water. And that really helped me a lot. But that was, again, 12, 14 years into my career before I figured that out. So I, believe it or not, again, when I was in the late 80s, 
three of the four days, I wouldn't have breakfast. What I'd do is I'd get up, have like a, a smoothie or something, and then if I had a two o'clock tea time, I would have steak and eggs with honey on it around 10 o'clock. So that gave me the longevity to get through that protein, protein I needed. So, to get through. so you almost practiced intermittent fasting yeah. back then. And so that's what I discovered for myself. And when people started hearing that I was eating steak and eggs with honey all over, they were kind of you crazy. But that was my breakfast. Was it the right thing to do? I don't know, but it, it worked for me. A lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The Seven from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The Seven every weekday. So follow The Seven right now. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. 
Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. For the third course, Greg shares some tremendous business advice with me. If you aren't familiar with his genius for branding, Greg has built one of the most popular sports brands of all time, the Greg Norman Collection. If you've been golfing in the last few decades, you've undoubtedly seen someone wearing a hat or shirt with his beautiful multicolored shark logo on it. On top of that, he's designed more than 100 golf courses all over the globe and developed successful products and services across more than a dozen categories. I understood that as an athlete, you're a pass-through entity. Yeah. You had a finite time period where you could maximize your performance and your skills. And maybe right? golf more than any other sport, maybe, right? Because it's about 15 years. Yeah. You look at uh, every football one Football players, us. three, four years, maybe. Yeah, every one of us. We, we go from about late 20s to the early 40s. So it's an incredible time. It seems like a long time, but it really flies by very, very quickly. So I became a, a student. I became very observant about what was going on around me. My study, not really study, but when I looked at management companies, they were never going to put equity in my brand. They were always going to put equity in their brand. Rightfully so. That's their business, right? You look at when you go to the first tee and you look down that first tee and they're lying six to eight deep, right, all the way from the tee down to the green. So you're putting bums on the seats. Mm-hmm. You're bringing people through the gate. That's right. People are tuning into Jeffrey Zakarian's, you know, chef lessons. So you you're, you you get to see that you're a needle mover. So people are rightfully so making money off you, and rightfully so I'm making money because I'm playing a sport and I'm a professional and I'm making money. But there was this, a disparity. Yeah. So I want to understand why. And you know, I started started learning very very early that let's just say. Jeffrey's number one in the world. I'm number two in the world. Seve's number three in the world. So the management company, where we could all be with the same management company or two could be with one and with somebody else. So what happens is when you're up in that upper echelon, management companies will go lock you into, okay, the next three of the five-year deal, you're going to go play this tournament in Japan. You're going to get this much guarantee money and you'll get your prize money. Well, once they lock the players in, now they can go to the tournament and they either they either own the golf tournament, they run and operate the golf tournament, and they control the TV rights. We don't get a piece of that. Yep. We get paid a, a prize money and we get paid guarantee money, right? Sort of like and college sports. Money. Yeah. So you go, hmm, this, this disparity really is starting to show through here. So I just asked, started asking a lot of questions. So much so in the early 90s, um, just as I was hitting this, you know, my change in life with body and performance and health and wellness, I changed with management. And I just didn't re-sign with the management company. I just decided to go out and do do my own thing. And that was on the back of me being with Reebok. Mm-hmm. Paul Feynman loved golf. Yep. He and I are still good friends today. I represented Reebok. Mm-hmm. Where I had a, you know, endorsement deal. We, we were going to re-sign. But Paul came to me one day and he says, I want to start the Greg Norman collection. This is like an 88, 87, 86, somewhere around there. 
And they go, okay, that's kind of cool. You know, I don't know anything about distribution, know nothing mm -hmm. about marketing, know nothing about anything, right? So that's how the logo was founded. And we designed a logo and... And it's he genius, basically you put gave, it in the back of the, under the shirt collar yeah. in the back, so mm -hmm. you see it all the time. Exactly. And it's not, it's, it's not in the front, which people look for, but when you turn around, it's like such a giant. Yeah. I see pros now playing with it, it's really yeah, fantastic. Exactly. When, well, we did a study on TV. So part of my study with Reebok was how many seconds were on, was I on TV? Now, that's hitting a golf ball, walking down the fairway, mm -hmm. doing an interview, going up into the 18th tower to do commentating at the end. So all of that, I started thinking, okay, the more time, more seconds I'm on TV, the more money I'm going to make. Absolutely. And the more better return it is for Reebok. Absolutely. So we started breaking down my time per so second. So smart. Right? And then when we started Greg Norman Collection, he already had a great distribution channel, right? Reebok. Yeah, of course. So he had outlets. So all of a sudden, we, we came up, we, we did, I learned how to do fabrics and design and materials and fit and all that stuff. And then I understood, learned about marketing and then boom. So it was first was clothes. Yes. And then it was golf course design. Did that come next? Golf course design was, I was a consultant. I was asked to do two consultancy roles, one in Hawaii mm -hmm. and one in Chicago. And I was working with a guy called Ted Robinson. Mm -hmm. And I was looking at it and he was more, you know, foo-foo-y flower beds and waterfalls mm -hmm. and fountains and stuff like Vegas. that. And, Vegas, and I was Vegas course design. <laughs> yeah, I was more shot maker and I'd say, well, I wouldn't do that because the topo this way. And, and that's what tweaked my interest. Now going back to engineering, geography, topos, I didn't even realize yeah, at that geology. time. Geology. Geology. you baked into your DNA, Greg. All that stuff. Baked in came back to me and that's the stuff I was doing in school. It's just fascinating. It's crazy how it all connects in the long run somehow. And now nowadays, you know, it's just... Uh, to me, it's sort of an effort. Your personality fit business. It, you, you were already thinking as a business person with peak performance, taking care of yourself, taking care of your body, knowing your body, the coil, researching that stuff. That's all personality that you're, you're driven by that. So business is the same thing. And once you get used to it, once you get into business, you realize it's just... It's the same. It's well, it manifests in so many different places. If all you, over the place. If you keep your eyes open and your yeah. mind free. And it's really that simple. So golf courses, I want to touch on this because to me it's fascinating. It's one of the things you really love. You talk about all the time. You travel. Uh, you're doing these incredible golf courses in Vietnam now. You're the ambassador for tourism for Vietnam. Mm -hmm. Incredible. Yep. And I read about the courses and how you set them up. And because you're such a, a nature lover and ecology, and I know you to be one of the most, you're always talking about nature and taking care of it and giving it back. How does that reflect in your golf course design? Because you, we chat about it, and you're talking about dollars, about how many dollars it takes a year to maintain a course. And it shouldn't be $2 million, It should be only a million or one, two. They're not designed right. And you talk about least disturbance. Can you talk to yeah. me about what that means? Well, to me, I used to hate playing golf courses that looked artificial. Pushed up mounds of dirt. When the rest, when you take a good long view away from your property, is it a mountain range in the background or is it a dead, dead flat desert? So why force the terrain into a place it should never be. And so to me, you know, the least disturbance approach is exactly that. The begin with the end in mind, right? So I always wanted my golf courses, when when you open them, they feel like they've been there for 20 years. Yeah. And so that, you know... It, it's hard. It, it's hard to do that because not every 
piece of property you get to work with allows you to do that. But if you do take a long view, I look out. Like if I'm standing on a knoll on any piece of property, visualizing, okay, is the hole going down here right to left or the hole going left to right? What, what do I see a mile away? What do I see two miles away? What do I see as far as my eye can see? And then I try to bring that into the golf course. So everything, when you walk the golf course, it looks like it's merging into, the, into infinity. And it shouldn't have to mature, right? I mean, it, people say, well, the course in 20 years will be better. It shouldn't take 20 years for a no, course. No, sometimes be- it's worse because 20 years, if you don't understand what the vegetation you're putting down, landscaping, I've seen it where people put too much landscaping down. Irrigation system, for example. If you put a, um, a 360 head on the edge of a fairway and start irrigating the rough areas, you get all this undergrowth that's just hard to manage. You've got to go in there and it becomes that maintenance deal where you've got to get people in there. You've got to clear that undergrowth out of there. And it's mostly exotics anyway because you put water in, you know, in anywhere, something's going to grow. So learning how to put part circle heads and how the heads and, and the overspray, what is the prevailing wind? Is that prevailing wind going this way all the time? So that means that it's going to be, moisture is going to be going underneath this tree and therefore we're going to have five years time, three years time. We're Stuff going to have to come in there. Yeah. That we have to cut and ma- ma- exactly. maintain. Look, take this property where we're sitting on today, where mm. I live on Jupiter Island. Every tree on this property was here. I just moved them around. Yeah. So I didn't bring anything from outside into here. So when I rebuilt the house, I just rearranged things uh, to make it look like it's natural and it doesn't, doesn't look cluttered, it doesn't look heavy like a tropical rainforest that you have in a subtropical climate. Some people like that. A lot of stuff, I don't like a lot of stuff because that stuff needs water, it needs maintenance, it needs this, it needs that, it fertilizes, attention. And that's where your, your budget just keeps going up and goes, up and It up. just goes, I know, is yeah. building restaurants, it's the same way. You build a, a church for yourself to just look at yourself and say, oh, this is in this beautiful, shiny church. That shiny church costs a fortune to maintain. Mm-hmm. Getting burned is something, I've, we all get burned. I've gotten burned. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know, as you get older, you say, you know, I learned that lesson. I learned it, and it, it costs money or it costs a relationship or it costs money in a relationship. What do you take from getting burned? What, what is it? I, I try to make a positive out of it. Yeah, no, you have Not to, positive at the time. No, you have to take a positive out of it. You have to understand, I try to break it down. Was it all due to human resources? Mm-hmm. Or was it all due to preparation? Was it all due to lack of the right information? Or was it only due to the fact that... Or avarice. Was somebody just yeah. wanted to do that deal, so they just took you 90 yards downfield, and that last 10 they yards is it. the most important run, right? That's the information you need. Well, I think that you and I, uh, we could, I could, when I speak for myself, I could call myself a deal junkie. You know, mm-hmm. We always want to make that deal. We just see a way, and sometimes you take the deal and you twist it into a form that is not recognizable yeah, just right. to get the deal done. Yeah. Not a good idea. No, it isn't. And you you got to, I think where I am now today is everything I do, it's authentic to me. Yeah, right? very well said. Because you, you can validate an investment if you're true to that in your lifestyle, right? And so when I look at all the things I do today and the things that I, I you know, haven't done or trusted a partner, yeah. right? And you get into trouble because... You know, he might have a different thought process over this investment over here and it might be debt instead of equity and all of a sudden you go, okay, 
the deal terms change because things are changed in the yeah. world. And you go, I didn't buy in for that reason. Yeah. I bought in for this reason. Yeah, exactly. You know, and so, you know, I, I guess it being, being authentic to everything you do is probably the best way. And that's why I am today. You know, I think I, I, I so see that in you. And I also think that even when you're authentic and if you go into a deal, you go into say, you know, if I if I lose, it's fine. I want to I want to invest in this person. I want to I want to do this for them. Mm-hmm. That's a much better mindset to have. You like, I get it. The risk is yeah. probably never going to see the money, but I believe in this person. I believe what they're doing, or I believe in what this, whether it's ecology, whether it's geology, whether it's something good for the planet. You believe in that. You want to make a some sort of statement or impact. It's really a much better place to come into business for than jamming business decisions because you just want to do the deal. Yeah, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> you just want to do the deal. That want to be, want to be, want to be, want to be, or yeah. want this and want that. You know, you, look, I, I'm a big believer. You know, I'm in the process now. My five-year plan today is I'm skinning down. Yeah, you told I'm me that. I'm refining that. I'm taking 13 businesses probably down to five or six, you know, because every business should be able to wash its own face. Right, mm-hmm. and if you're running a business on a break-even proposition, you're spending that same amount of time to break even as you are on the business that's making a profit, right? So why? 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 Ego. Why, why are you spending all that time Ego. on this? Yeah. So it's hard. To it's let it's go. not easy because a lot of the business have been around for quite a long time, right? And plus, they're fun, and you like the ego behind it. I find yeah. that the same way. Restaurants are like a deadly. They're deadly to your yeah. soul because you have to spend so much time at them. To, to not do it, it's like you feel like something's missing. <laughs> but, you know, someone once said, you know, you have to spend 80% of the time on things that make you 80% of the money, not 80% of the time that makes you 20%, 20% of the money. Because yeah. what you're saying in actuality, I think, is like, we, we, we can't get back the time. You can make all kinds of money. Mm-hmm. You can lose all kinds of money. You can get the money back, but you can't get the time back. That's right. And you look at, as you progressively get gracefully older, right, you, you, you find an interesting balance in yourself the materialistic things you liked 25 years ago, you go, why did I even have those then? Mm-hmm. That was ego, right? Mm-hmm. It was a statement because look what I can do. Yeah. I've got this. And you look at where it is today, you go, man, less is more, yeah. right? I mean, I didn't need that. I don't need this. So, you know, it's it's an, it's an amazing as you, like I said, you know, get old gracefully, you actually sit back and you realize that I don't need another X millions of dollars. Mm-hmm. You don't need this. But I do enjoy the things I'm doing and the byproduct is success. That's a different story, right? I'm not saying, oh, well, I'm doing this because I want to make money. Yeah. You know, Warren Buffett thinks it differently, right? Yeah, sure. Take your money, make your money, make more money, yeah. right? Yes, we all do that because he's wired degree. that way. Yeah. Your your personality is perfect for you. You're you're looking at authenticity and as a lifestyle for the rest of your life, but you you still want to like perform. You still perf- wake up every day and well, you think you about performing, right? Because that logo you said at the top of the show, right? And that logo goes on in perpetuity. Yes, sir. So a hundred years from now, because I've handed that off to the right people to manage that in perpetuity, that's for eternity. Yeah. Right. So now you start thinking about estate planning and how do you yeah. how do you plan that out for a hundred years of time from now? Or my great 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 grandkids and fantastic all problem though, right? It's a great problem, but you know that again is what I'm saying. Focus on what you're doing, and the byproduct is this. That's right. Right. So I focused on building that logo up to a position where it's recognizable and people think it's a pretty cool logo, and the byproduct is this. And it goes on in perpetuity. 
lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's Marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of. A degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. For our fourth and final course, it's no surprise that my conversation with Greg turned to the culinary world. We can't end this conversation without talking about food and wine. So you're now completely into food and wine, and I, you, you know, the food and wine festival in Aspen, and you've won multiple awards for best burger, best beef, and you sell millions of pounds of this every year. And your wine is like fantastic. And we had some last night, and we've had it a lot before, but explain how this is such a natural fit for your personality and, and what it is that drives you around food. Well, when you, and wine. I'm never going to not drink wine. I'm never not going to have a cocktail. I'm never not going to have a beer, right? Because I enjoy it. Sure. I don't drink to excess. I enjoy it every mm-hmm. night. I enjoy sitting down with mm-hmm. you and having whatever we want to have yep. just to 
end the day and just have a conversation. Begin the conversation. Yeah, exactly. My wife and I, every night we sit at the bar and we talk about how was your day? And she has a Pinot, I'll have a beer and then I'll transition into a wine. And it's just, it's part of our life. And so how do you marry that up? So when, give you an example is when I got in the wine business many, many years ago, Foster's Brewing wanted me to represent Foster's Beer in the United States. Active athlete under the federal law in the US couldn't advertise alcohol on TV. You couldn't take a drink of beer or anything like that. So we shifted over and I was traveled the world. I had been to France, I've been to South America, I've been to, you know, a lot of the places that really produced good wine, Spain. So I always had a bit of a palate for it. So I knew Australian wines were really good, but Australian wines were only a little bit in America at that mm-hmm. time. And so we decided to target you know, the premium market, which is the 13 to $15, $16 bottle of wine. And that's how Greg Norman State started. And um, we were doing a ridiculous number of cases on an annual basis. And we ended up being 60% of all premium wines out of Australia was Greg Norman Estates wines. It's unbelievable. It's crazy. I mean, it just took off. Right place at the right time with the white, over, over-delivered on the quality, under-delivered on the price, Right. And we've kept to that standard all the way through to today where we're with Old Bridge Cellars and we have actually got the winemakers in Australia. We've got the winemakers in New Zealand. We've got the winemakers in um, California. So we're constantly adapting it to what the consumer is looking mm-hmm. for, right? And Bigger then from face. there, it opened up the beef business yeah. because of that success, right? So now all of a sudden, Australian products and we started talking. They came to us about, hey, you know, we would like to be selling not in at wholesale, not retail, wholesale, right? So that opened up the beef business and that opened up the Wagyu beef business. And remember, I had a steak for breakfast every oh my day. Gosh, I just so there's that. the connection, right? Fantastic. And I used to say to people, yeah, I have a steak and eggs every morning. The phone rings. And social media without any social media social back media then. Without, but all I, you know, Someone was I paying it, attention. Somebody was paying attention. And here we are today, you know, we're the number one, you know, Australian wag, Wagyu beef. It's importer. like if I, if I said t- t- 25 years ago, you, Billy, you'd be selling steak instead of playing oh. golf. You were like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> no chance in the hell. Well, I think what's interesting is it's such authenticity to you because, yes, you do drink and you do eat and you eat well. Mm-hmm. And I think what's interesting about the whole food will you mentioned to touch on just briefly is food used to be fuel. You'd shove a dog and a burger because you just needed energy to go out and yeah. play and do that. And now food is, is, is a, is, to me, it's life happens around the table. Mm-hmm. Everything happens around the table. I mean, that's where you fall in love. You make a contract. You have a cocktail. You break up. You meet someone. You sign a contract. You do all the good and bad things around the table. But it used to be food was a distraction. Now, because of social media and food network and nutrition and body body um, awareness, what goes in, it's sort of like now a way to treat yourself, to take care of yourself. You can enjoy yourself. So food... Has gone from fuel to something like oh my god to you would over abuse mm-hmm. to something is not the enemy anymore. It's to be really loved and relished, and you can eat food, you can take care of yourself, you can enjoy yourself mm-hmm. and eat stuff you want to eat. But it's not the enemy, and the lifestyle around food and beverage and socialization has become something that everybody wants. Now they're like, I want to see cooking shows, I want to know about nutrition, I want to know about healthy habits, I want to have lifestyle that fit. 
you were finding in the 80s mm-hmm. already and that you sort of perfected it. That's why it seems so perfect. You know, you've been doing it. It's yeah. just now you're like, why, not, why don't I have an in- income stream from it? But it, it doesn't seem like it's anything you haven't done. No, exactly right. I mean, I love the way certain foods look, right? I mean, you want to break it down to color and texture and positioning on the plate and stuff like that. And there, there is an art. There, you're an artist about what you do. I'm an artist about what I can do with a golf ball, right? Or what I used to be able to do with a golf ball. There is an art to it because it's not just putting something on the plate because that's what we're supposed to do. You can actually go out there and say, okay, tonight, you know, I like my Wagyu. I love peppers. I love my vegetables. Why don't we do a Wagyu stir fry? And then you take your Wagyu and you just do whatever you want to do with it and how you want to prepare it. Then all of a sudden those juices get into it. And then all of a sudden this beautiful piece of art is sitting there in Mm -hmm. front of you that you're actually going to take that first mouthful and go, wow, how good is that? I always tell people, I'm like, you know, be careful. Don't touch the food. Make sure the food is the best product you can buy. Touch it as little as possible because someone is taking that and putting it in their body. Mm-hmm. Just think of it. What other business is someone ingesting something that you've created? It's a very intimate sort of thing. Yeah. It's like you could kill the person yeah. you know, but, or you could be making them happy. But it's such a, it's a, when you take care of someone through food, it's all the senses, right? It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's vision, it's smell, it's touch, it's feel. Then you have a relationship and then everything just sort of works and it becomes a daily ritual. And to ritualize food and wine is what life's about in a lot of ways because that's what you work so hard for, right? You work so hard for the ability to sit down and enjoy your family and your friends. And I think it goes well beyond anything that just not just a business. That's no, why people well, say, why do you do that for? you crazy. I'm like, guys, you just don't get it. It's like... Well, food is an expense as well as revenue. Yeah, of course. You know, and it's not just revenue through a restaurant. It's revenue through your life. When you wake up in the morning, you feel, oh God, I shouldn't have eaten that last night because now I feel crappy. So your performance the next day, you know, might be, you know, detrimental to whatever you're doing. Correct. So your revenue changes, right? So to me, it's an expense. If you're going to, you have to buy food, right? So the expense is there. You have to outlay it. How do you maximize that in your return? ROI, right? And I even people on their daily habits, what is your ROI about your food? It's incredible. I want to be able to wake up feeling pretty good, like the beef we had last night. It was, was last night was very simple. Very simple. Very simple, but it was like we had really great wine. You never had, get tired of it because no. of, I think, yeah. what that says about the, the clarity. You sit down for a purpose and everyone around that table really is there for the same purpose and they open up and they become a little vulnerable and that's what that shared experience is fantastic so food to me is a whole nother other level and i know you feel the exact same way wow we have we've talked a lot about a lot of stuff have we missed anything i don't know Um, if we missed anything well we we talk about we didn't get, we're not going to work out today. We are going to play a little golf. We are right? going to go play golf. Actually, we're going to go play golf now. We're yeah. going to go play some yeah, golf. We're going to go Greg, play golf. thank you so much for spending time with me in this incredible, incredible story. We have a lot more talking to do. I have a lot more <laughs> notes, but we'll I'm get impressed to that. you didn't even look at your notes. I didn't because it just was, you were great. You're just going there and like I didn't have to do much. But thank you for sharing your story. It's, a, it's an incredible story. Thanks, Jerry. Enjoy it anytime, my friend. Thanks very much for listening to Four Courses with Jeffrey Zakarian, a production of iHeartRadio and Corner Table Entertainment. Our executive producer is Christopher Hasiotis. Four Courses is produced, edited, and mixed by Jonathan Hawes Dressler. 
Our research is conducted by Jesslyn Shields. This episode was engineered by David Guggenheim. Our talent booking is by Pamela Bauer at Dogtown Talent. And special thanks to our entire team, Margaret Zakarian, Jared Keller, Tara Halper, and Molly Swanson, without whom this would not have come together. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Picasso knows your vacation home is your best home. It's the place that brings family and friends together. It's where you're the best version of yourself. Picasso makes it easy to co-own a luxury vacation home in amazing locations. Listings start at 200K for one-eighth ownership. Picasso does the hard parts for you. Luxury furnishings, maintenance, billings, scheduling, and more with a home management team that provides support before, during, and after your stay so you can focus on the relaxing, hosting, and making memories with family and friends. And you can resell on Picasso's marketplace anytime, historically for a 10% gain. With Picasso, you can stop saying someday and start building family traditions today in a vacation home you own and revisit time after time. Visit Picasso.com today to see thousands of luxury vacation home listings. That's P-A-C-A-S-O dot This is it. Your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts.